Welcome to the Competitive 40K Podcast, brought to you by Vanguard Tactics. It's our mission to help you play, progress, and perform at this incredible game of Warhammer 40K, keeping sportsmanship and fair play at its absolute core. I'm your host, Dave Colmill, a physicist investigating the effects of gamma radiation on the human body. With me, as always, is my good friend and 40K mentor, the founder of Vanguard Tactics, and a man who you will not like to see angry. He's the incredible Hulk to my Bruce Banner, Mr. Stephen Box. Steve, how's it going? Well, after listening to you do that intro at least seven times because we've had so many technical issues, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. And I actually got the I got the reference and then not just because it's the seventh time of listening to you say it. Yeah. Right, yes. You did you did get the reference the first time out, and then we kept having technical issues and we haven't made it much past this. But we're gonna keep trying to forge on and hopefully we've sorted out all the technological uh, issues. Uh, issues we're having and yeah, that's just we're just gonna drive on. We're going to so, do it. Uh, we're going to do it. We're going to get it done. And we will. And then we can finally let out our rage with the world leaders. Yes. Uh, but first, we're going to acknowledge our sponsors. Uh, first and foremost, Siege Studios. Uh, thank you so much for continuing to sponsor us uh, and our shenanigans uh, with and without technical issues. If you need anything commissioned painted, uh, look no further than Siege Studios. They do incredible commission painting. And you can also go on their tuition page and see their uh, class schedule and rates, as well as uh, the rates for one-to-one painting tutorials. I can speak from personal experience. I've had a couple of classes with one-to-ones with James. Uh, phenomenal stuff. I've learned so much. So uh, thank you, Siege. And then, Steve, you want to uh, introduce our two new sponsors? Yes. So proudly announce our two new sponsors. One of them is The Outpost, and that's www.the-outpost.co.uk. They're a UK-based gaming store, and their philosophy is all about building community. They've got an incredible online shop as well, where you can see an online stock check. So massive thank you to the Outpost for sponsoring us going forward. Um, and then also the Colorforge as well. So the Colorforge are a company that make the most incredible spray cans. They really do. They're, they're really like massive. And I've never had any issues using this product whatsoever. So when they got in touch with me about you know becoming a sponsor of uh, VT, I was like, absolutely, because I love the product. So um, yeah, thank you to those two new sponsors and you can check those out. And their website is thecolorforge.com or .co.uk? Uh, .com. .com. Nice. So yeah, you can check those out wherever you are in the world, which would be awesome. So yeah, thank you to those. Um, also, we've just got back from the LVO. So massive thank you to Frontline Gaming for um, hosting us there with the workshop. It went really, really well. Me and Dave, we're going to do another podcast, aren't we, about the LVO um, and all the shenanigans that went on there yes yeah we're going to do a full recap of lvo that'll be our next episode um but today we just had to let the rage out you just finished doing your uh your youtube uh live stream with mike uh talking about the codex now you and i are going to do it for those people that haven't had enough uh, world leaders content just yet so oh the vt announcements the competitive 40k podcast community facebook page you guys it is now a new month so that means a new password the password is going to be karn as in the betrayer k-h-a-r-n Remember, no password, no answering questions, no entrance. Um, the academy doors are currently closed. The next class is going to start in about 13, 14 weeks. So keep listening so we will let you know when the next academy class is going to start. Upcoming events. I, Sean and I were looking at our schedules. I don't think I'm going to get to an event until July because I've wow. got so much going on the next couple of months. But where, uh, what are you doing next? You going to Beachhead? I've got Beachhead, yeah. Super major here in the UK. Um, that's next weekend. Unfortunately, I won't be able to take World Eaters because they won't be out in time um, unless I just rocked up with all the new models and used all the old rules. Which would be difficult with things like, say, the 8-bound. Well, you just use them as possessed. Oh, okay. Yeah, same base size. 
slightly okay. bigger, like by a smidge, but that's about it. Um, but anyway, um, so I'll probably just take my Eldar to that. And then we've got the team event at the end of the month, which is me, Jack, Michael, Jonesy, and Ramsey. So it's a very strong lineup. Very strong. Heading out to the international team event at the end of the month. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, and so, and ladies and gentlemen, if you want to, uh, we thank you uh, for your patronage. Please like, share, subscribe, leave us a five-star review. Um, if you want to follow us on social media, you can follow Steve at, at the Vanguard Tactics. You can follow Mike at, at VT underscore Mike underscore. And of course, I'm on there as at Infantry Lawyer 40K. And don't forget to go to www.vanguardtactics.com to get more information about the Academy. And don't forget to go to YouTube and check out all the Vanguard Tactics stream games and the other content like world leaders review that he and mike uh, just did today so do we have a review steve we do we've got three reviews so thank you very much everybody who's left us a review they're all five stars dave awesome uh i'll, I'll rattle through them so the first one is dave needs a football team uh is the headline dave you need a football team i think you should follow queen's park rangers a mid-table mediocre make it happen Stephen. great show a plus so thank you very much uh you can support a mid-table team as you're a mid-table terror, Dave. I think that's absolutely. Where he's going, right? I am. I am the terror of the mid-tables, and I will. I I try to follow uh, mid-tier teams. Um, except I already have a football team. I've been a fan of the Denver Broncos for years. So. It's not football. That's what are you talking about? It's not football, mate. Yeah, it's National Football League. No, no, no. It's not football. That's like oh. some American football. It's different. Oh, oh it's not okay. football. Oh yeah, I should hate that because I hate Americans. You're like. That's like running with handball and occasionally kickball. That's what it should be called, not football, where you're constantly <laughs> played with the foot. Yeah. Well, they're on their feet. They're running. I mean, anyway, come on. Right. Like, come on. Whoever thought of that name, just be a bit original. Like, don't I, call it football. There's football is already a thing. Yeah. It's a bit like naming something after something else, which is exactly the same, but then just putting some extra words on it or something. Like, don't right. do that. It's like inventing a new fruit and calling it a tomato. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, just come on. I don't. Guys. I don't. I, I do want to look. I, I do need to look that up and figure out why football that already existed all over the world had to be renamed in America as soccer, and then we called football something else or something Weird. else football. Anyway, anyway, other anyway, moving on, moving on. Um, so always fun and informative. Another five stars. This show will leave you feeling old when Steve get, doesn't get references. Had to leave a review after listening to a previous review making a comment that it wasn't best to make light of gun culture in the U.S. Only for Steve to say, I carry around two guns with me at all times, making me burst out laughing on a busy commuter train. Thanks, guys. Now people are staring. Five out of five for humor. Zero out of five for British commuter judgments. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, we, um, we apologize for commuter judgments, although we have no control over that, obviously. Um, yeah. They, they clearly all just need to be tuning in on the podcast, and then they would understand and get the jokes. Well, so. or lack of jokes. Um, yeah. Anyway. Um, the final one is uh, kept me in the game. Five stars. My experience with Warhammer 40k, the tournaments has always been horrible. I seem to always be paired with the whack players, and it just wasn't any fun. Listening to you guys gives me hope. Oh my good god! Um, I, I may find a niche if listening to us gives people hope. Dave, people are in trouble. Um, overall, this is a great content, and it doesn't promote whack play. Uh, it promotes tough armies, fair play. Keep it up. Thank you so so much. Dr. Zeus, yeah. Zaius, Z-A-I-U-S. Zaius? Zaius. Sorry, I butchered your name. Well, however you pronounce it, thank you very much for the review and the, and the, uh, the, the kind words. 
Uh, and talking of butchering, we're going to be talking about butchers today, aren't we, Dave? Yes, yes. We're not talking about how I got butchered at LVO. That's next week. So yeah. um, we're going to talk about the red butchers, the world eaters. So yes, we are. Um, so let's talk about it. Uh, I've heard this. I've heard tell of this thing called blood tithe points. Um, yeah. So what 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 is it? Well, look, we're going to give you the full deep dive analysis here. I'm going to tell you the two different ways you can play the army. We're going to look at some of the new data sheets, the wall of traits, the relics, the stratagems. I'm going to tell you everything you need to know about playing World Eaters. So, yeah, hold tight for the next hour or so because it's going to get bloody. It really is. It is going to get bloody. Do you want to start with Blood Tithe points? Uh, yeah, let's start there because that seems to be like the that's the army-wide sort of super faction, sub, uh, sub-faction sub yeah. Rule, right? So when you're a world eater, when your entire army is made of world eaters, excluding agents of chaos and unaligned units. So, for example, if you had a patrol detachment of corn demon units, then, you know, you'd be fine, providing it was under a quarter of your army, you'd still get blood tithe points. So that's an important distinction to note. Um, now, blood tithe points, basically, um, you get a blood tithe point every time a unit is destroyed, yours or mine, Dave, okay? So I'm going to get one, a point every time a unit is destroyed. Then at the end of any phase, if any of the following were destroyed, a character, monster or vehicle, I'd get an additional one point for that phase. Not per one, just, you know, even if I killed six vehicles, it's just one point in that phase. Okay. Fair enough. Um, you'd get six for each of the units, but then you'd get only one for them being a vehicle in addition. And then there's another one where if at the end of a phase, any Titanic units were destroyed, then that's another point as well. So if you killed a Titanic um, knight, which was a character, it's a unit, gets you a point. It's a character and a vehicle, gets you another point. And it's a Titanic, so it gets you another point. So killing a character-based Titanic unit would get you three po- uh, blood tithe points. Nice. Okay. So knights will have to be very careful about giving out points a little too easily. Mm. And then um, you can spend your blood tithe points at the end of any phase, you can only ever buy a blood tithe once and only once at the end of a phase, okay? So you can't spend multiple at the end of a phase, only once. Okay. All right. So um, there are one, two... But it's three, at, you four. said it's at the end of the phase, right? Yeah, you can spend them, yeah. Okay. All right, so at the end of the movement phase, you could, you know, some of your blood tithe points you could spend. Um, and there's also a secondary where if you didn't want to spend them, you could basically donate them to your secondary pool... Uh, so you can also score secondary points off them as well, if you'd rather, off one of the secondaries. Okay. So uh, the first one is called, I'm not, I'm not going to do the names, but I'm just going to tell you what they are. The first one is two blood tithe points, and you can ignore mortal wounds on a five plus. So a little five plus shrug against mortal wounds for two blood tithe points. And this will affect all of your world eaters on the table. Okay. I could have really used that uh, in the LVL last week. Yeah, me too. Thousand Sons, looking at you. Um, yeah, looking at you, Thousand Sons. Yeah, the next one um, is four Blood Tithe points, and you can increase the AP by one from your melee attacks. Okay, pretty good. Okay, yeah, that's real good. Yep, yeah, it's really nice, AP by one. Uh, three Blood Tithe points gets you plus one to charge. Five Blood Tithe points will get you exploding sixes in combat. Five Blood Tithe points will get you plus one to hit in combat seen a bit of a theme here uh four yeah. blood tithe points will get you a six plus feel no pain so that's you know a six up shrug against everything then if you'd gone for the mortal ones then that's a five plus against mortals and then 
six blood tithe points will get you unmodified sixes to hit will automatically count as a wound roll. Okay. Um, okay. And then the last one is six blood tithe points and you can bring Angron back to life with eight wounds. So if Angron dies, he can come back in deep strike with eight wounds remaining. Wow. Okay. So I take it that blood tithe points, you, if you don't spend them, you don't lose them at the end of the turn or the phase or anything. You, they carry Correct. over. So you build them up by the end of the game. You could have a bunch of them. Yep. Got it. All right. Yeah, basically, but it's pretty cool. I like all of them. Yeah, they all, yeah, they all sound like usable benefits. It's not like there's you're gonna look at that and like one of them is oh plus two to your leadership. Like no, who who cares? You know, they've all got they all seem like they've got valid uses at some point in the game. You're gonna probably yeah. save up your blood tithe points for turn one and maybe turn two and then turn three just go ham. Exactly, exactly that. Yeah, um, start spending them, which would be awesome. So as I mentioned before, there's two ways to play the world eaters. Okay. There's the world eaters detachment. And then there is the red or the disciples of the red angel detachment. Okay. Ooh. Now each of these different kind of detachments get their own legion trait. They get their own relics and warlord traits and stratagems. Okay. So world eaters, the main way to play the army, um, is called Relentless Rage. That's a legion, legion trait. And actually, that is also the same for the Red Angel. Okay. And basically, for both of those, their legion trait is when you charge or were charged or heroically intervened, you get plus one strength and plus one attack for that okay. until the end of that phase. Okay. Yep. Now, the World Eaters have three relics. Um, and the World Eaters basically means you can take any of the units in the Codex. All right. Now, in Codex, world eaters previously obviously you just had to kind of take units from the chaos space rain book um, and you gave them the world eaters you know keyword that's not true anymore you cannot use the chaos space Marine codex any longer you are literally using the units that is printed in this book okay so you do not need the chaos space Marine codex if you're running this army okay okay got it now there's some pretty heavy limitations on what you can take so there are going to be some sad world eater players out there, I think, but you've got some beautiful new models. So, you know, take it how it comes. So basically I'll cover the new units first. Is that, and then we'll cover the two ways to play. Yeah, absolutely. Cause it's always good to go over data sheets first. And then you kind of, yeah. you look for the synergies then, don't you with stratagems and stuff. Yep. So your HQs, you've got Khan the Betrayer. You've got the Lord Invocatus. He's new. Um, we'll go over him. You've got the World Eaters Demon Prince, very much like what you guys will be familiar with. Um, then a World Eaters Lord on Juggernaut. Um, and then a World Eaters Master of Executioner. So they're your HQ options. Remember, we're using the Arcs of Omen detachment. So you can take up to four HQs in a detachment. And you need a minimum of one. Then you've got um, troops. You've got the new Jackals, which are basically like, you know, souped up cultists. Yep. You've then also got the legendary Corn Berserkers with their beautiful new sculpts. So you've got two troop options but elites you've got eight bound and then you've got exalted eight bound they're kind of like possessed but even more muscles and even more weapons so um yeah eight bound probably my personal faves um you can also take hell brutes and you can also take world eater terminators um they are the terminators for example 35 points a model so they're slightly cheaper than the chaos space marine alternatives uh, but they do come with a bit of extra punch which we'll cover Fast attack, though, pretty limited, only a Chaos Spawn, but probably worth putting a couple in a list if you've got the points available to them, because obviously you just sacrifice them and there's some nice, easy Blood Tithe points for you. Um, yeah, 
just sacrifice your chaos spawns. Yeah, and they just came down in points too. So twenty-one points for a chaos spawn. The twenty-five. Oh, the twenty-five in that book. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because the chaos yeah. marines they went down to twenty-one. So all right, so they're slightly more expensive, probably because of the blood tide thing. Yeah, it's slightly unfortunate that the points. You know, this book came out after the points review because I feel like some of these things might be a little bit costly in this book. But hey, we'll see how the meta shakes out and we'll see how they do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, spawn at 25 points a model. Then we've also got heavy support. You've got land raiders, predators, uh, you've got defilers, forge fiends, and mauler fiends. So, you know, that does mean no vindicator. That does mean no warp talons, no raptors, no chosen, no possessed, and no bikes. So there's quite a you know, few limitations there on what you can't take, obviously, which people might already uh, have modeled. Um, and then flies, you can take the Helldrake, you can take a Rhino, and then, of course, you can take Angron as a Lord of War, and also the Corn Lord of Skulls. And then you've also got the units in Forge World, so you've got you know, the Leviathan Dreadnoughts, you've got the kind of Blood Slaughterer, uh, which is a Forge World unit, you've got the Drop Pod, you've got the uh, Kaitan, so there's some Forge World options as well. Can you still use the Termite Drill? Uh, not sure. Okay. I saw several World Leaders players throughout last year bringing a couple of Termite Drills. Probably then. Yeah, but I think the Drop Pod is probably better because obviously you get out, can charge, and then the Drop Pod can charge as well. The Drop Pod can charge too? Yeah. Oh yeah, because it's the, it's the Chaos one. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So yeah, they, they are the data sheets you get access to. All right. So like I said, you yeah. cannot... And everything already comes with the mark of corn. You don't need to buy it. It's, you know, coming in stock. All right. One would hope so. What do you want to cover next? Uh, let's just talk. Well, okay. Talk to me about Karn the Betrayer because he's, he is besides Angron. I mean, he's, he is the iconic historic world leaders character. He's been around for several editions of the game. Finally has his own codex. This is data sheet worthwhile. Yes. Awesome. He is. Poor child's um, going to be doing its work. I would say he's an auto-include in this army. Really? Yeah. Um, so he obviously gets the blood tithe points. Um, I'll give you a stat line. This is assuming he's charging, okay? He's going to be strength 7 with 10 attacks. And he's minus 4 AP, flat 3 damage. Um, and he's, he's got 4 up in run, 2 up save. And he has a aura of reroll ones to wound. Okay, uh, for basically world eaters core units, so basically lieutenant. Um, now, also his betrayer rule has changed from the White Dwarf article that was published where you've got some world eaters rules. On a two up, he would basically do D3 mortal wounds at the end of your movement phase to your own army. That's a bit of a problem because on average right. you would do 10 mortal wounds to your own army. Now it's changed to a result of a one. Okay, but at the end of the fight phase. So remember, there are two fight phases in a turn. Uh, so you will need to roll, um, you know, twice in a turn. And if you roll a one, you'll do two mortal wounds to a unit that's within three inches. Okay. So careful movement and maybe once or twice a game, you, you might whack a, a, a fellow uh, berserker, Cultist. but that's, that's yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I think he's well worth the points for what he does and what he brings to the army. So, um, you know, you pair him with maybe a, World Eater's Demon Prince, and then you've now got your reroll ones. So you've got yeah. your reroll ones to hit from the Demon Prince, and now reroll ones to wound from Khan the Betrayer as well. And there's nothing stopping you putting Khan the Betrayer in a Rhino, and then obviously, you know, you won't be having to roll that dice for the fight thing because he's not technically on the battlefield. Okay, right. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Lord Invocatus is he? Uh, is he? You said 
Karn's the auto take. He, this is the Lord auto take as well. Oh, okay. You cannot go home without. You can't go, you know, to battle without this guy, um, for multiple reasons. Um, so Karn the Betrayer has his own Warlord trait. It's unique to him. Nobody else can take Karn the Betrayer's Warlord trait, and it's basically when he's in engagement range of more than six models, you get two, a D three extra attacks. I don't think you take it because there's a limitation with this book is that there is no stratagem to take additional Warlord traits, which means whoever you nominate to be your Warlord has to have the warlord trait for that army okay now this is a slight problem um, and when we cover this lord in Vicartus, you'll probably realize why we are never or rarely going to see angron because this guy for me in my personal opinion is just baller and it certainly fits the way i like to play the game maybe if you've got a slightly different play style angron might be your unit of choice but for me it's going to be the lord in Vicartus. and the reason for that is that his aura ability um, is plus two move which is really good for basically core units. Um, this combines really well with your eight bound because they already moved nine, so they're moving up to 11 inches. Um, it's got a four up save, it's got a two up save, sorry, four up invun, two up normal save, eight wounds. He's strength seven on the charge. Yeah, strength seven, minus three, two damage, and you cannot take invulnerable saves against this guy. Wow. All right. Yeah. Yeah, he. He's pretty impressive. And with the plus two movement aura, I absolutely understand why you're taking him. That screams Steven Box to me. But it gets better. He flies. Oh, and he flies. He flies. The juggernaut flies. Yeah. I was going to say, isn't he riding a juggernaut? So the juggernaut flies. All right, sure. Yeah, the juggernaut hits you with three extra attacks as well. But his warlord trait, and this is why I'm taking him, his warlord trait allows you to pick two core units within six inches. Sorry. No, within nine inches, within nine, not six. Oh, it should be eight, but okay. Yeah, I think every, I think all the auras in this book should have been eight, but anyway. Yeah. Um, within nine inches, those two core units and this model, so the Lord Invocatus himself, can make a normal move before the battle begins. Ooh. Yes. So all now right. your eight bound can move 11 inches pregame, and this is why I love it. Yeah. And then he can make a pregame move up to 12 inches. And then you can do it again when you go first. Move again. Nice. So you're shifting 22 inches across the table. Yeah, you're suddenly across the table by the end of turn one, potentially. Yeah, and that's where you want to be. Yeah, is right in somebody's face. You got it. Yep. Um, now, so Angron, this is the issue of Angron. His Warlord trait which is really good, but when you take Angron, he has to be the Warlord, and he has to have his Warlord trait, and his personal Warlord trait that only he can take is models within six inches, uh, this is enemy units, lose their objective secured. I mean, I can understand that because they're wishing that they had worn their brown pants today, but um, yeah, there's definitely, a, there's, I think there's definitely a list build that uses Angron, but I can also see why that's not your preferred, knowing your play style, that's not your preferred choice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so is is it just just from a from a broad scope going larger than get dialing in? Is your idea of a list just going to be a whole lot of berserkers and and eight bound in rhinos, or are we is there room for things like Mauler fiends and hell brutes and terminators and things like that? I think personally, I mean, I won't be running any hell brutes or um, Mauler fiends or anything. No. 
I won't be taking those. I'll be taking as many. Personally, I love the eight bound models. So I think I'll be taking a lot of those. The Corn Berserker models are amazing. So I think, yeah, Rhino Rush is probably where this army's at. Yeah, with some eight bound in support. Uh, Certainly an argument for Terminators. I think they hit really hard. Uh, You can do tremendous damage with them. They're they're more killy than any other Chaos Terminator. So um, that's pretty good. But um, it's just they're not as fast as the rest of the army. And you really need to close that gap quickly. Uh, they might be good, you know, coming in with that plus one charge. That could be useful. But again, you're, you're risking an eight inch charge with a reroll. So, um, yeah, I think there's other yeah. things. But getting back to Angron, um, he can never be obscured. OK, he's because he's 18 wounds. He's toughness seven with a two up save and a four up in run. But unfortunately, although he's got a monumentous amount of attacks, it's ridiculous. You know, he's like 13 attacks on the charge at strength, 14, minus 4, D3, plus 3 damage. Or you can split that into three attacks per attack. So he's getting, you know, a bucket load. Um, He's got a command ability, which gives a core unit or character four rerolls to hit. So he's basically a chapter master. And then in your command phase, you pick one of the three following abilities. One of them is reroll ones to hit aura in combat, and that's any World Eaters unit, which is interesting. So it would actually affect your um, non-core units um, to get reroll ones, which is pretty rare. Um, you can have within six inches World Eaters core get plus one attack, or my personal favorite, which I'll probably use most of the time, enemies within six, sorry, any unit within six, while a unit is within six, that unit cannot fall back. So if you're within six of Angron, you can't fall back out of combat, you or your enemy. Which is also limiting if somebody wants to use the fallback and charge or, or you know, fallback as a, as a key movement to, to help them sort of ping pong or you know, uh, uh, yeah. bounce down the field. Now, there are no fallback and charge options, so you're not oh, really okay. restricted too much by that. There's also no advance in charge options, okay? Okay. They're Weird, quite one-dimensional, okay. yeah, in what they yeah. do. But that's Angron for you. But yeah, he, he obviously hits extremely hard. Um, now, interesting to note, he has the warp locus keyword, which means oh, yes. now he's a warp. It, because he's a warp locus, you can, as long as he starts on the table that turn, you can bring a demon unit within six of Angron and then just over six inches away from an enemy unit. So that's incredibly powerful. Yeah. And since we know about the new... Um... Well, what are Blood Brothers or Brothers in Arms, whatever the strat, the the uh, allies contingent for Arcs of Omen, yeah, yeah. Uh, allows corn cornate demons to come in and ally with world eaters, yeah. And having that warp locus means you're bringing in what Scarbrand. I'm bringing in Scarbrand, yeah, yeah. You knew yeah. it. It's like I've met you before. <laughs> yeah. Why would I not want Angron and Scarbrand together? It's like a yeah, gruesome twosome. Yeah. Because yeah, talk about the twin towers of destruction right there. Because like Scarbrand's biggest issue is getting into combat, but now he's got a warp locus he can spring off. You can't take invulnerable saves against him. He also got a bucket load of attacks. Um, and he's got his aura, which gives plus one attack as well. So now Angron's giving core units plus one attack. He's giving plus one attack. Um, and then also morale checks are automatically passed, okay? Um, but then also you've got the each time the unit is selected to fall back, the controlling player rolls 3d6, and if that total is greater than the leadership characteristic, that unit cannot fall back, which means all of a sudden you've got 
lots of different auras of no fallback, and which means if you have tagged some units up, they're not falling back so you can't get shot. Okay. Yeah. Nothing worse than getting shot. Well, I, if I'm doing the shooting, I'm, I'm fine with it. But Yeah. But you're not going to be doing shooting because I'm going to wrap you right up and stop you falling back. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So so there is a there is an alternate build there. It's not going to be your preferred build, but there is definitely a build there to to mm. have Angron and Scarbrand and and some sprinkling, yep. you know, some blood crushers or something yep. in a patrol detachment. Yeah. Then you've got the World Eaters Lord on Juggernaut. He's basically like the Lord Invocatus, but not as good. He's got a three up save rather than two up. He doesn't move as fast. He doesn't fly. Um, he is like 25 points cheaper, I think, or 35 points cheaper, but he doesn't have that pregame move and his aura is just the plus two move to friendly World Eaters core. And he doesn't hit quite as hard. He doesn't take away the unrunnable save like the Lord Invocatus, although it's a very cool model. Um, then you've also got the Master Executioner, which you can expect from before. Uh, just a you know, hero clean to being six, re-rolls its wound rolls against characters, shed load of attacks and does mortals on a hit roll of a six as well. So that's kind of your HQ options for the army. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Very cool. So characters are very strong. You said troops choices. You got two berserkers and uh, yeah. jackals. Is are the jackals are the jackals a, a viable unit choice or are they just cultists that are just going to sit there stand on the on a point for a turn and die? Yeah, so they're actually not bad. Um, you can take units of twenty. Um, they come in at around seventy five points for the unit with one of the models having a decent weapon, which is the called the dishonored. So you basically give the dishonored guy his skull smasher, whatever it is. Um, you know, and because co- these cultists actually get the World Eaters benefit, they also get the Legion trait, which is rare for them. Because uh, obviously okay. in other books they don't. We, me and yeah. Michael tried to find it and we couldn't see anywhere where it says they don't get it. So we're going to assume they do. Um, but basically, you know, they're rocking up with this Skull Smasher guy. It gets like eight attacks, minus two, two damage. So it's not bad. Not um, bad. These guys are going to get pretty good when you, you know, stack on the plus one to hit and you get them into combats and they hit on threes. Uh, they don't have course, you can't give them re-rolls, but if, you, if Angron was nearby, you could give them re-roll ones to hit, because that will affect any World Eaters unit. So there are some ways to make them a little bit more punchy, um, but you know, are they a standout unit? Probably not. Um, I can't see them seeing a huge amount of you know, lots and lots and lots of units. You might have the odd one or two just to fill out some extra troops, objective secured. You know, do actions for you, stuff like yeah. that. Sit on objectives, backfield objective holder. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, but obviously, the main troop choice is the corn berserker. You can take units up to ten. Um, now they already come at strength five base, so they go up to strength six on the charge, and they're four attacks base going up to five attacks on the charge. Their chainsword uh, gives them strength user, so strength six minus two AP one damage. Obviously, that pushes it to AP three with the blood tithe. They basically become a power weapon. And then one model out of five can take the uh, Eviscerator, which takes it up to strength nine minus four, two damage for a little bit more extra punch. You absolutely want the icon, the Berserker icon, because when you've got the icon, it opens up the ability to do a stratagem, which allows you to charge on 3d6, dropping the lowest, which is obviously very powerful. Um, And that's a generic uh, stratagem in this book for the World Eater's way of playing the army. Um, and then also, it means that if you do have an icon, when you blood surge, you do not fail your action. So your blood surge ability, this is pretty cool. Basically, if you shoot me, 
my unicorn berserkers, providing I didn't get out of a rhino that turn, okay, um, or a destroyed rhino that phase, probably a better way of wording it. If you shoot me and you destroy one of my models, I can move d6 inches at the closest enemy unit and I have to end closer to the closest enemy unit and I can end an engagement range of you, okay? So therefore, when we actually get to the combat phase, if you don't have any charges, then I'm going to be fighting before you because it will basically count as an ongoing combat. You won't get your plus one attack or plus one strength because it is effectively an ongoing combat, but it does mean the World Eaters can get into engagement range a little bit faster and um, kill some models in your opponent's um, combat phase. Nice. All right. So it will work really, really well on units of 10 where you've got a little bit more durability in there and they can blood surge a little bit more often because obviously killing five is quite easy. Killing 10 a little bit more challenging. And as actually was going to be after we get to some of these data sheets, I was going to ask, is this an MSU army or a or are you going to want bigger bricks? And it sounds like bigger bricks is definitely the way to go. Could be. To, to make the most out of um, some of these army wide abilities. Could certainly be, yeah. Um, especially like the blood surge and stuff. Yeah, and the sort of extra charge. You know, you could have 10 of these guys coming down in a drop pod uh, looking for an 8-inch charge with the Icon reroll. Sorry, the Icon 3D6 charge and then the reroll becomes quite a reliable way of getting and making charges then. Oh, yeah. Pretty good. Yeah, 3D, 3D6 and, and a reroll. You've got a pretty good odds there mathematically of, I mean, hell, yeah. you're, you're at, you're, your average is a 9, 9.5, I think. Yeah, so. the, the issue with the 3D6, you do have to drop the lowest result. Oh, okay. I thought it was 3d6 and add them all up. I was like, no, you're making all your charge. Okay. No, but, um, should be, you know, fairly good to go. Um, so that's the Composerkers. Then we're into the elites. So elites are quickly to have the terminators. The terminators are getting four attacks base, which I believe is one more than usual. And then their accursed weapon gives them additional attacks. So you're, you're looking at six attacks a model at minus three. You could pump it to minus four. Um, and there's a, there's a stratagem for the world eaters terminators to get plus one damage as well so all of their attacks would go to damage two their chain fist would be damage d3 plus one and the power fist would go up to flat damage three and you get the same options as you do if you were a normal chaos terminator because obviously that's what comes in the box okay okay do you get like do they have the option for like the heavy chain axe and the or, or eviscerators or anything like that not those no because they don't come okay. in the chaos terminator box so it's just chain fists and power fists Hopefully that'll be a that'll be the the next go around because they the, I want to see terminators with big ass chain axes. It just seems appropriate. Yeah, you could just you could, but then um you'd have to just call them a cursed weapon. Yeah, that works. Yeah, yeah. Um, so eight bound, eight bound. I I gotta hear about it because these these are really cool models. They really are. Yeah. So the eight bound. Um, I'll cover the 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 normal ones and then you've got exalted after that. So the normal ones you can take a unit of three to six. Okay, they come in at 40 points per model. Um, now, these guys are moving nine base. They're hitting on threes. Their strength, seven on the charge. Toughness, five, three wounds, five attacks on the charge. And that actually increases. I'll talk about that in a second. And a three up save. They've got a five plus invulnerable save. They, they subtract minus one from enemies' leaderships. Um, and they've got something called blood scent, which means they can be set up from strategic reserve a turn earlier than the turn it is. And that does mean you can come on turn one from strategic reserve. Wow. Which is pretty good. But yeah, especially with, with strategic reserve being free now. Yeah. That makes a big difference. Now, they are demons. 
Um, they do have the Butcher's Astartes keyword. Now, they've all got two eight-bound uh, eviscerators, and an eight-bound eviscerator means you fight its strength user, so strength seven on the charge, AP minus three, two damage. That stratagem for plus one damage I mentioned earlier can also be used on these guys, okay? So you can get them up to flat damage three, but their uh, eviscerators gives you an additional attack. Now, you're armed with two of these, so that would give you two additional attacks. So these guys are rocking a mighty seven attacks on the charge each. Cool. Yeah. Then the sergeant can take a heavy chain glaive, which is basically, it's got like a kind of a sweep profile. You make two attacks per attack at strength. Eight minus three, one damage is the only kicker. Um, and then you've got lacerators, which are strength seven, strength eight on the charge, minus three, flat three damage. So if you use the strat on that, you'd pump them up to damage four. Okay. Nice. All right. Pretty, pretty good, right? Yeah. Um, now, that's those in a nutshell. Yeah. Now, what's the difference between exalted and, or between eight bound and exalted eight bound? Okay. So the exalted eight bound. Only units are three, not three to six. They hit on twos rather than threes, and they've got a four up in Vun instead of a five up. There are 135 points per model, so I believe that puts them in at 45 points a model rather than... Yeah, 45 points a model rather than 40. Oh, okay. Right, 135 points for three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, got that's it. right, yeah. Because um, you can only take them in units of three. Um, now, these guys... They've got an ability, an aura ability, excluding vehicles within six. When you're selected to fall back or perform an action, um, then it fails on a four up. Ooh. Yeah. That's rough. One thing on actions, you know, I was talking about that blood surge ability earlier with the berserkers. And if you take an icon. Yeah. The reason why you take an icon is because if you are performing an action when you blood surge, it normally fails. But if you've got an icon, it instantly passes. Which means on those missions like the scouring where you've got to do an action and it takes an entire turn to complete the action, if you were to do that on a Corn Berserker unit with an icon, you'd instantly give your opponent three points. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So if you shoot me, you're going to give me three points because my action's going to instantly complete. Right. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, the Exalted 8 bounder, uh, the anti-action and the anti-fallback unit. Now yeah. they've got um, eight bound eviscerators and a chain fist. So they get that additional attack for having the uh, eviscerator. And then they've got a chain fist, which basically is plus three strength. So strength 10 minus four, two damage. And if the sergeant has been equipped with two chain fists, he's going to get plus one damage to that attack. So he'll be in it flat damage three with his six attacks. So he's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty strong. Yeah. Very strong. These guys can bit a uh, deep strike as well. And you said they're T6? T5 with three oh, wounds. T5. Yeah. Okay. T5, three wounds, four up invuln. They should be surviving. I mean, you shouldn't be hanging them out in front of a Tau firing line, but, you know, no. they should be able to weather a little bit of fire and then still get in and do some damage. So, all right. And then that's, that's it for new units, though, right? Everything else is pretty standard. Yeah. Yep. Hellbrood, smaller fiends, forge fiends. I still exactly think it's the They have predators in their list, like, the world leaders are, could remember how to pull a trigger. I know. Yeah. So, okay. So the one way to play world eaters is your generic way where you can take kind of anything you want, uh, provided it's got the world eaters keyword. You got, you get, like I said, you get the plus one strength attack when you hero clean to be charge or were charged. There are three, there's three relics here. The first relic is minus one to wound. It can be great on a demon prince. Mm -hmm. uh, the next relic is basically 
is good to go onto your Lord on Juggernaut. Uh, basically makes his Exalted Chainblade get Exploding Sixes to hit, but does two additional attacks. So if you had Exploding Sixes as well, then every time you roll a six, this guy procs another three attacks. Wow, um, all right. It's okay, you know, plus two strength, minus three, two damage. The Talisman of Range, though, in the command phase, you pick an enemy unit until the start of the phase. Each time a melee attack is made by a model in that unit, uh, an attack roll of a six automatically wounds the target. All right, okay. pretty good. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so basically, you pick a core unit within uh, nine inches, and that unit has essentially every time a six roll is hit, then it automatically wounds. Pretty good. So I think that's yeah. probably the relic you take. Okay. Um, then you've got world eater. Uh, then you've got the warlord traits. You've got favored of corn. The problem with these warlord traits is if you're not taking Angron, you're probably taking the Lord Invocatus, and then. Those Warlord traits on either Angron or the Lord Invocatus are so good, you wouldn't probably look at these. And because you've only got the one option for a Warlord trait, it's such a shame. So, because one of them is really good. One of them is each in your command phase, if the Warlord's on the battle, you get one Blood Tithe point. So he's going to net you five Blood Tithe points over the course of that game. That would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a shame you can't spend an additional CP to take another Warlord trait. Because I'd absolutely take that one. Yeah, that would absolutely be worth an extra CP Get to, to make sure you maximize the effect out of your blood tithe points. Yeah, this next one's really good. You half all damage, so you could have minus one to wound and half all damage on a demon prince. That'd be pretty strong. Yeah, but I feel like that wouldn't be as good because so many people are teching now for wound caps and the, and the yeah. wound-gated bloodthirster and all that. So, I mean, I know I had my insurance against that with my... Uh, I'm here champion for my Votan, and I think everybody else I played over the last weekend had something to tag yeah. to deal with that. Um, and then you've got Bloodlust, which is a final wall or trait for six inch or intervention and fight first, which is again okay. But I think that favored of corn one is the best for those extra five blood tithe points. Yeah. 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 The, the extra five blood tithe points seems like the best option. Yeah. So, all right. Um, now, I heard that there's less strats in this book than there have been traditionally in other books. Yeah. So there's. Eight stratagems. Okay. Six are incredible. Two are meh. <laughs> okay. So the first one is two CPs called Red Butchers. As I t- told you earlier, eight bound or terminators can have plus one damage for all of their attacks. Really okay. good. Really, yeah. really good. Super strong and exactly what was needed in this book to help them get through big things like knights or whatever. Um, then one CP. Um, if you use this stratagem, every six to wound does a mortal wound, but you can only ever do six mortal wounds using that stratagem. Okay. In the whole so, game or just in per phase? Just, you know, that phase. It's not okay, like Kasakim where you can do six to them, six to that unit, six to another unit. Right. It's just six, whichever way you shake it out. Okay. Got it. Um, the next one is the one I think's too situational and I don't think it will ever really come up. Basically, one of your characters has to kill the enemy warlord. And then if so, you can spend a CP to either get two additional blood tithe points, which is all right, because that would get you a kill, a kill for being a character, and then two additional. So that would be spending a CP for four, you know, blood tithe points, which is great. But how often does a character go and kill the enemy warlord? Pretty rare. Um, Or you can, or you can pick plus one advance in charge for that character. Um, or you spend two CPs and have both abilities, like the blood tithe points and the extra advances in charges. So that one's too situational, I think, to really rely on it to make it a standout stratagem. 
like the plus one damage and mortal wounds are both outstanding. This next yeah. one is also great on a four up. Uh, if I'm within 24 inches, I could just stop one of your psychic powers from happening. Okay. It's really good. Yeah. Especially um, if, and now, but, uh, hmm. There's, is there anything in the army like a brat, like the brass collar or anything? There's no relic or anything that's just going to help shut down psychic abilities. So just that. Okay. So you're yeah. really going to be relying. So if you're, if you're going into T-Suns or certain demon builds, you're going to be very, or Grey Knights, you're going to very much relying on that blood tithe five up against mortals to not yep. pick up your army. Got it. And then when they want a gate or something really powerful, you go, nope, four up, stopped it. Got it. All right. Okay. This next one is fight on death. For world eaters core units, so that's your terminators, your berserkers, and your and your eight bound. Uh, it's one CP if it's on a unit of berserkers. It's two CPs if it's on anything else. So again, very strong and very thematic for the world eaters to go down with a swing. So I actually like it. Oh yeah, and I it, honestly I had I had underestimated the value of fight on death until LVO when I was I figured out I remembered to start using it on my berserkers and. Uh, for my my Votan Berserks because yeah. every time they would go down and fight on death, oh my goodness, they did a lot of damage. And yeah. it was just, yeah, I I will admit that in all the time I have played ninth edition, I had totally underestimated and undervalued fight on death. It's really good. So that's a great strat. Yeah. Especially on a like a 10 man Berserker unit for a CP. Yeah. Yeah. You can have a ton of attacks go off. Yes. So one CP you can heroically intervene a world eaters core unit as if it was a character and up to six inches. Okay. So obviously if you shoot me with my 10 man unit, let's say you killed a couple, I could blood surge, you know, D six, you shoot me again. I do another D six and let's say I'm not quite within engagement range. After all the shootings finished, I can spend a CP and then heroically intervene my berserkers into combat with you. Nice. All right. And then because I've heroically intervened, I would get that plus one attack and plus one strength. Right. So, a lot of good ways to the world eaters are no longer a slow foot slogging army that they've got ways to jump down the field. Yeah. Otherwise they'd just yeah. been a slower, more rubbish version of blood angels. Wouldn't they? They didn't have tricks. Yes. Yeah. Especially with, since they don't have jump packs. So yeah, they get boxed in and you know, yeah, move blocked easily. So yeah. the next, the next one is smoke screen. So basically minus one to hit on your rhinos and stuff, um, which is a bit of a meh one. And then the final one is icon of wrath. That's the one I mentioned earlier. If you've got an icon, you can get that extra D6 on your charge and discard the lowest, okay? Yeah, okay. So they are your eight stratagems, as you'll probably agree, some very strong ones in there and very thematic. Yes. So I think there's a, they've workshop done a great job there. Really do. Yeah. I also like, I think there's something to be said for the fact that there's only eight because that's going to take the mental load off of World Leaders players. You're not, like, yeah. you don't have all of these options that are just drowning you and, oh, I should do this or maybe I could do that or what about this or what about that? So it's just a, I could do this and I can use this strat or this strat this phase. And that's all I care about. I mean, let's be honest, right? I can go through the Eldar book, entire LVO. I probably use four stratagems from that book. Yeah. Yeah. I think I used a grand total of six out of the Votan book. Yeah. And so, two of them were only like one use each. It's not like, you know, sometimes, yeah, it might look less, but it's actually more in a way because I'd rather six quality ones than four half decent ones and then 20 terrible ones that are too right. situational so it's right. nice to see them coming in with a bit of a punch so then the other way to play the army dave is called disciples of red angel you still get that legion trait which is plus one strength and attack but there's some pretty heavy restrictions but also some benefits okay okay 
So this army has to take Angron, he has to be the Warlord. So therefore, he has to have his Warlord trait, and you cannot give it to the Lord Invocatus. So no pregame move with this build, yeah? Okay. Um, you can only include Corn Demon units and World Eaters Land Raiders units. So if it doesn't have the Demon keyword and it's not Corn, you can't take it. So no Rhinos, no Berserkers. Okay. No Terminators, okay? So you're just using Bloodletters and Bloodcrushers? Or 8-bound. Or eight, okay, oh, that's right, or 8-bound, okay. And the Exalted 8-bound. And the Lord Invocatus right. also has the Corn Demon keyword. And obviously oh, okay. your, de- your Demon Engines, your Lord of Skulls, they all have the Demon keyword as well. Got it. Okay, so 8-bound, so that's Exalted and Regular, will gain Objective Secured. Nice. Yes, nice. Very um, nice. There's three relics. One of them's called the Burning Plate. You get plus one save and plus one wound. Uh, the Soul Burner is basically a heavy flamethrower at strength 7 minus 2 with 2d6 attacks for your uh, Demon Prince because the Demon Prince now has like a, uh, like a gun on its hand in the new, in the new kit, uh, okay. taking it back to its kind of days of old. So that's pretty cool. Or you take the Skull of Angerant, which basically you pick an enemy unit that is visible to the bearer until the start of your next command phase. Each time a bearer makes an attack, you reroll the wound roll. So you've got one which is just on him, the reroll wounds, and if you took the other detachment, that relic is where you get the, you know, so there's kind of some wound manipulation based relics, yeah? Okay. Okay, so then these guys don't have warlord traits because you have to take Angron and he has to take his own personal one. Right. So instead, you can pick an eight-bound unit to have a demonic infusion, and there's three to pick from. You can only select once. Um, and you can either count as two for objective secured. You can either um, have that, or you can do a mortal wound every time you roll a six to wound. So a bit like the stratagem we mentioned earlier, right? But a unit it's just can, built into that unit. Yeah, but a unit can only suffer six mortal wounds per phase as a result of this ability, which means you could have a unit of six, put three on one unit, three on the other, do six mortal ones to one unit, and six mortal wounds to the other. That's still a little more Kassarkin shenanigans. Yeah, but obviously a bit more situational because you've actually got to get an engagement range of two units to trigger that. Right. And then you've got the final one, which is a four plus fill no pain against mortal wounds. Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Um, good. And again, this this army's got eight stratagems. Um, The first one, I don't like. I think it's a bit of a missed opportunity here, if I'm perfectly honest. Plus one to wound against a unit that is under half strength. Um... When are you ever going to need that? Because you're strength yeah. 8 anyway, and if you've already kind of killed the unit, why are you going to spend a CP and have plus 1 to wound against it? Because you're probably wounding on 2s regardless, right? Right. If, if, you, if you're 8-bound, you're rocking in its strength 8, and it's only... You know what I mean? Like if, you, if you're up against a load of orc boys, maybe, with T5, and you get them under 9, you're probably going to just annihilate that unit anyway. The difference between the twos and the threes isn't going to be a huge amount of difference. Right. You're, yeah. I mean, I'm, the only thing I can think of is, all right, maybe you go into a, a, a 10 strong brick of Terminators in the middle of the board and you. There's going to be four to, left. Right. And then they probably, yeah. if the Dark Angel Terminators already got inbuilt transhuman and you're already, they're only T4, so you're already wounded on twos regardless. Yeah. So I don't, I, it would have been better if it was plus one to wound against a vehicle or monster unit. Something like that, yeah. 
like the custodies have something like if your opponent's toughness is greater than your strength, have plus one to wound. That's a good stratagem. It's unique and it's useful. Yeah. Right. To a certain yeah, this this is uh, yeah, I'm having trouble yeah. thinking of any time you would actually be able to use they that. They could have called it like big trophy hunter or something, you know. Right. Yeah. That's what they want to do is bring down big things, big challenges. Right. So anyway, we'll move on. The next one is called Blood Scent. This is an incredible stratagem. It affects eight bound units and after an enemy unit has fallen back, if they can, because obviously Angron and other eight bound shenanigans, if they do finally fall back, you can spend a CP and then consolidate six inches. Now, obviously, when you consolidate, you've got to finish your eight bound move closer to the closest enemy target or unit, but it does mean you can end an engagement range. So you can basically very run away and you run back into them for a CP. So there's no escape. <laughs> you, will, you will go nowhere and you will die. Yes, exactly. Um, the next one is my favorite stratagem. Okay. Use this stratagem in your opponent's shooting phase. After an enemy unit has finished making its attack, select one eight bound unit uh, that had one or more models destroyed as a result of those attacks, that eight bound unit can make a normal move as if it was your movement phase. Ooh. They're moving 11 inches. In yeah. your turn. Yeah. And then it's they're going to heroically intervene. They can't do that, unfortunately. Oh, because you don't have the strat in this set of strats. Exactly. You don't get both. You get one or the other. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Got it. All right. And that is intent. That's intended to be, hey, you don't get those strats. You get these strats instead. So no trying to pick and choose. Right. All right. Right. Shame, because that would have been beautiful, right? Anyway, oh, yeah. the next one is one CP and you can have your machine spirit kick in. So you can basically shoot on full bracket if you've got a land raider or if you've got that kind of Lord of Skulls, it's going to cost you two CPs, but it can fart on its top bracket. It's pretty cool. Okay. Um, one CP, any world eaters unit, you can just auto advance it six inches. Nice. All right. You, you could just one CP blitz Angron six inches. So he's moving 22 inches across the table, 16 plus because it's 16 base move, plus 6, 22 inches. He's a warp locus. You can bring down Scarbrand within 6. Now Scarbrand's charging 6 inches. Yes. So that is a 28, 34-inch charge from Angron, but using a Scarbrand to drop down in between you and fight instead. Right. Pretty beautiful. Pretty, yeah, uh, pretty frightening for those of us yes. not playing world leaders. Yeah. Um, so then the next one's called Violent Dismemberment. Um, again, not an amazing one. Basically, if a World Eaters unit is destroyed, uh, destroys an enemy unit until the end of the turn, that unit gains the following ability. While an uh, enemy unit is within six, then you subtract two from the leadership and minus one for combat attrition. So on eight bound, they'd become minus three leadership and you know it's an aura effect. But You'd have also had to have done some wounds to the other units to force them to even take a morale check, right? Right. Um, so if you don't have any guns in your army and you can't reach out to other units, it's kind of a bit irrelevant, this stratagem. Yeah. Not, um, not feeling that one. If it was spend a CP and make all units within six take a morale check and be minus two leadership, then it's worth it. Yeah. But that's something you would expect out of Night Lords more than World Leaders. Yeah. yeah. Um, then the next one is a really good stratagem, I think. Uh, you stop that unit. Uh, it's in the charge phase. 
You stop that unit from being able to overwatch or set to defend. And when you get into combat, you make them minus one to hit. So effectively, for one CP, you're making a unit minus two to hit because they can't set to defend and get plus one to hit. And then you're making them minus one to hit. Okay. Pretty yeah, good. So, yeah, chances of them hit, swinging back on you were less. less effective. Yeah. Yeah. By two stops, basically, on the die. So that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, and then you've got bloodthirsty determination. Basically, your world, your world eaters unit ignores all charge modifiers. Okay. So you can use those little photon grenades, whatever you've got, and just go, no, I'm just ignoring them. Thanks. Yeah. Or you can try yeah, and tangle, tangle foot, foot me, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Dense or, oh, terrain. You, you, you're hiding behind dense terrain thinking it's going to slow me down. It's not. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. Okay. So they are the two ways to run world eaters. Nice. I think I, I prefer the, the primary way better, but I think that's more just a thematic choice than a thinking one is less effective than the other. Yeah, so I think like for me, um, you know, my traditional list build will probably look at something like the Demon Prince, Khan, the Lord Invocatus, two big bricks of uh, the eight bound that you can pregame move, um, and then you know maybe thirty odd blood uh, corn berserkers in some in a couple of rhinos with some jackals sat on the backfield objective, maybe some spawns chucked in for just some easy blood tithe points, and that's probably one build, and then my second build. Now this is probably more my favorite, if I'm honest, Dave. Oh, I thought I thought that first build you described was your favorite. It, it screamed you. So, all right, what what's what's the what's the secret sauce? Uh, I mean, I don't know if it's secret, but it's basically, um, it's the other way to play the army. Oh, the Red Angel version. So it's essentially Angron, then a unit of five exalted. Sorry, a unit of five eight bound, a unit of four eight bound, a unit of three eight bound, and then two units of three exalted eight bound, a land raider, Scarbrand, ten blood letters, and the Lord Invocatus. Okay. No Obviously, blood crushers. I figured you would go for some blood crushers. No. No, okay. Cavalry no. is just a Mike Costello thing. Got it. Can you even take blood crushers? Well, they're I would even... I would expect so. If you can take blood letters, they're you can take Skullmaster. Okay, yeah, you could take blood crushes, yeah. Yeah, that's a okay. demon demon unit, yeah. I didn't know if they were just um in AOS, but yeah, they're here. And they're they're here in the book. Um would I take them? I don't know, I have to look at them now. But Scarbrand and ten blood letters is just shy of five hundred points, so that's your twenty five percent. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. Pretty cool, right? Does that twenty wait, does that twenty five percent rule still hold in Arcs of Almond? I didn't see it restated. Uh, so that's in the Demon Codex, which stipulates oh, if you're okay. under 25%, you basically count as an agent of chaos detachment. So therefore, it doesn't break you from losing your um, blood types. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. All right. Um, so last question then, and just kind of, you're going to have to go back to, I'm assuming back to the chapter proof book. The World Eater's secondaries, are they any good? They're actually very good. Okay. Um, so I'll go through them. While you get that out, I'll read the first one. It's under the purge the enemy uh, category. It's called blood for the blood God at the end of the battle round provided no world leaders units from your army have fallen back this battle round. Um, seems unlikely score two victory points for each enemy monster character or vehicle unit that was destroyed by melee attacks made by world leaders models from your army. This battle round and score one VP for each other enemy unit that was destroyed by melee attacks by world leaders units uh, to a maximum of four VP. 
for background. Yeah, pretty good, right? I mean, that's all stuff you're going to be doing anyway. Yep, exactly. Um, yeah, you are so, absolutely doing that already, so that's pretty good for Purge the Enemy. Um, you know, and there might be times where just bring it down is better or assassinate is better, but I think under a classic Purge the Enemy against a well-balanced list, that's going to be pretty good to take. Yeah. Um, no Mercy, No Respite. At the end of each player's turn, score one victory point. Okay, for each objective mark on the battlefield that was drained in blood that turn. Now remember, um, for an objective to be drowned in blood, one or more units excluding vehicles that started within range of that objective mark and must have been destroyed. So that's my units or your unit. So if you kill my unit of jackals on an objective, I get a point. Okay. And then remember, if obviously, you know. And spawn too. So that'll. Yeah. Get me some more points. Yep. Yeah. Now that really that really puts a puts a, a a tough choice on your opponent too because it's a did you want to kill that unit because you'll give me a victory point and a blood tithe point and a blood tithe point yeah um, now it is at the end of each player's turn so I can score this in your turn and I can score this in my turn and um, it's for each objective marker not the amount of units destroyed on an objective marker right so you could lose twelve on one objective marker. It's still, it's still one, one point. point. Yeah. Right. So you need yeah. to be spread out and covering two to three but, objective markers. But that's it. Think about it. I could charge a unit of eight bound into your unit that's on an objective, right? Right. And I could kill you. That gets a point in my turn. You then charge me and kill me on an objective. Yeah. That gives me another point. So it's quite nice. Um, I think I must have misspoke on the, on the one we did the live stream. Uh, because I think I said, oh, if I fart on death, then I get another point. But that would also be on the same objective, so that wouldn't work. So I did make a mistake on the live stream when I said that. I got too excited. But anyway, you're getting yeah. here the the full one, yeah. Um, and then also the Battlefield Supremacy one, which is piled the skulls at the end of each battle round. Before purchasing any um, blessings of the Blood God, um, you can discard one, two, or three Blood Tithe points. If you do so, score two victory points. For each blood tithe point discarded to a maximum of five per battle round. So I think probably you're better off um, sacrificing two blood tithe points a turn, and that would get you four points a turn. And obviously, if you do that for four turns of the game, then you are going to get 16 points, which would cap it 15. No, it says each battle round, not each player turn. Yeah, so the end of each battle round, yeah. So, so. I mean, just let's say you go second. Yeah. Yeah, so if you go, if you discard. Two, two blood tithe points at the end of each round, you'll cap out at 10. If you, you can discard one, two, or three. Oh, no, no, if you do two, it's two for each. So it'll be four, yes. eight, 12. Oh, okay, got it, got it, got it. That's what I was missing. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. I'm a lawyer. If I did math, I'd be an accountant. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Got it. And if I did, if I did either words or math, I'd be dangerous. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and although the way this army plays. Do you want to maybe for battlefield supremacy? Do you just want to hold your blood tithe points, use them for you know the greater destruction of your opponent, and just play behind enemy lines? Probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'd be doing anyway. Yeah, All especially about right. that pregame move shenanigans or the you know bringing down scar brand option. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. there's some really cool right. you know things in here. Yeah, very cool. I'm very excited to play the army. Yeah, and I'm I'm excited. Uh, not just on your behalf and on behalf of uh, uh, Ken Purvis, my friend, who is the huge uh, World Leaders fan. 
Um, I am just a fan of seeing these guys getting on the table and, and having, I mean, I always get excited when there's a new codex with some new flavor and while world leaders have been around for as long as the game's been around, finally yeah. getting their own codex is, is, is kind of cool. Yeah. So I agree. Yeah. I'm super Very happy cool. for them. Really happy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Any other questions, Dave? Uh, no, I don't think so. I'm, I'm, uh, I, I think I want to, uh, offer a suggestion. I want to see you takes world eaters on a stream game into thousand suns. I don't want to see how that works. Well, it, we don't have it. have a thousand suns army. Otherwise I would. Oh, well, it was a wish. Could do gray nice instead. Yawn. Boo. No, you do. Yeah, you do. Gray So certainly there's, there's, there's fluff history there. So, um, yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. I just want to, I, I just want to see how, well, this army would play into something that is, you know, mortal wound heavy, psychic heavy. Yeah. So well, to, to disprove a lot of the naysayers who, you know, think that um, this, that, that world leaders are not going to function into mortal wound spam. They might not, but well, it's the only way of seeing, right? There's only one way to find out, and that is and to it. charge forward and pile the skulls. You got to pile those skulls up. And on that note, as a great on way to end the show. Yes. So uh, now we will very quickly turn it over to James for a battle ready segment. All right, James, welcome back uh, for another battle ready segment. Happy to have you back, man. Thank you very much for having me back. Uh, so this week we wanted to talk about um, primers. Not so much. Uh, I mean, obviously there's there's the eternal battle of do you use black or gray or white, um, but also the question of um, when would you not use black? When would you use a colored primer? Right. Okay. Um, well, it depends. I mean, if you if you're if you've got an airbrush, I, I I really don't see any issue with using black in general. Um, I, I said I, we've obviously spoke about different things in the past, but but well, I I really like a black undercoat. I think that um, especially with a lot of the cans that are out on the market now. So you get your Chaos Black from Games Workshop or Colorforge Matte Black. Um, they both perform very well, and it's more about the surface property, as in whether it's satin or matte that you if you what you prefer. Um, I personally prefer Chaos Black. I use the Color Forge one as well, but um, with an airbrush, you can put any color over a black, and it, and it will still be super bright. Being honest with you, um, it, if you put loads of lots of thin thin layers on, every incremental layer you put on is going to add saturation and vibrance. So you can do yellow over black, and eventually over with numerous repetitions you'll get a super vibrant yellow um having said that to do less layers and make it a bit quicker to get to that saturation of brightness you can do a white or a gray or whatever um but you shouldn't if you use an airbrush you shouldn't feel that you should be restricted to using x can because you can put multiple layers over and get a super vibrant color at the end of it um if you've not got an airbrush, then of course, yeah, using a, a using a, a lighter or darker or whatever tone undercoat to start off with is 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 really really important because then you're gonna have to be careful with the paint that you're painting on top of it, be it with a brush or with another spray can. Um, really good thing you can do: do black first, do a zenith from above with a white or a grey, uh, or even do a black, then do grey, and then do white from the directly above, so you get a nice transition from black through to a grey through to a white. Uh, then you can wrap a color over the top. Um, obviously you need to be quite thin and do thin layers so that you don't disturb the transition or the effect that you've created by the, by the thing. Um, you do what, one thing just to touch upon as well is that the, specifically the games workshop, I'm not hundred percent familiar with all of the color forge cans, but the, the games workshop color cans, they are not primers. They are color cans. A lot of people seem to think that they're, they're primers. Um, obviously that you can, you can prime with them and you, as in you can, you can do a layer on, on the bare plastic if you so wish. Um, but they're not designed to, to, to just be that they are a, they are a, a color can. So I would always, always advocate 
putting a foundation level of paint on a primer, which is a, bra a black, a white, or a gray, and then doing the color can over the top, just so that you, you, you stick that colored paint to something onto the model rather than just onto the bare plastic. I've seen lots of people that have done it before where the paint comes off quite easily or scratches off quite easily because the chemical makeup is not the same as a as a primer um it is a it's a color can so so do bear that in consideration if you're going for a super vibrant red then and you haven't got an airbrush then maybe do it do it black do a zenith with a white or gray can then do the red over the top or, or if you have got a white can then use the white can just to undercoat it um touching upon I'd white see, can, i didn't know that i didn't know that those colors were not a primer i assume not. they were no, uh, because not. I was going to ask you if you used a color um, over like a black, gray or white, would it even show up or would you just get like a flat coat because it's so thick? But I, that, I mean, I've learned something new here that actually then you could. So if I was, you know, quite if my skills were limited or my time poor, this sounds like a great way just to get ultramarines blue down or like a red color on my, um, you know, world eaters or, yeah. you know, blood angels. This sounds like a really quick fast way of painting it um, is yeah that you could yeah. do an army probably in in a morning right yeah, yeah you could get the main color on an army very very quickly very easily um that the, the there is a the new white uh the new white from from gw for that's to use with a contrast paint i believe it's called white scar it is probably the best white can i think i've ever used um back in the day and i'm i'm, I'm getting on but back in the day skull white was was uh, very hit or miss as a can um you'd get a very chalky finish or you might get an okay finish but the new white scar is is phenomenal like it goes on super smooth it, it's super vibrant uh, and really good for doing a zenith over a black can to then put a color over the top with what you are steve as a color can you just need to do really careful burst fire of the of the of the percussion cap on the top of the can to get smooth thin layers on um a little extra tip that I'll chuck in for you all as well is that when you are using spray cans and you haven't got an airbrush, and uh, and I do use this even with I use this with an airbrush all the time, but with a rattle can or a spray can, um, when you're using the hair dryer, uh, use a hair sorry use a hair dryer to dry on the paint when it first contacts the model. If you've ever seen water hit an object in slow motion, it tends to wrap on a sphere or a cylinder and flow around the object on a flat surface. It will hit and then spread outwards and, and try and go smooth. So when when paint is wet on an object, it was the smoothest it's ever going to be because it's forming to fit the object. As it dries in the air naturally, the molecules of pigment will start moving around on the surface. And that's where you tend to get like cracks in paint or like you get more clumpy areas because it's collecting and pooling where it's pulling itself away because of gravity. So general rule of thumb when you're using a uh, spray can, burst fire it. Don't hold it down, just spray like a maniac. Burst fire, dry every five, every five six seven bursts quick bursts of the hairdryer set it on and you'll get a much smoother coat every time because of the way that it's the way that liquid forms on an object now that's a great tip well james thanks so much again no worries no worries all good all right ladies and gentlemen if you have any questions for james uh, for a future battle ready segment go into the community facebook page uh drop your question in there and uh let us know and we will pass it on and try to get your question answered in a future segment all right. Thank you very much, James. As always, uh, your insight and your skill and your talent is much appreciated. Uh, so that is it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much again for giving us your time and your attention. Uh, coming up, uh, we're going to be talking about, uh, sort of we're going to do an LVO recap uh, next, uh, next episode. And then after that, I think we're going to talk some boarding actions, right? We definitely need to cover some new boarding actions because it's a brand new release. Yeah. 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 There's the, the new, uh, 
the Angron. new is it the the Angron book the the Arcs of Omen Angron campaign book has got more uh, boarding action info and I guess there's some Space Marine and Chaos Space Marine additional information in there maybe some strats or something that's it they've really started to flush it out with more army rules stratagems warlord traits and relics so it's quite cool to see how that game's going to develop um, and we've had a great you know success and popularity on the channel with that so um, yeah, yeah it's going to be exciting to see what we can do with boarding actions with these extra new amendments and I'm very excited to get the world eaters you know can you imagine eight bound running through um, you know boarding actions that's pretty cool that would be cool actually that would be yeah. very very cool especially to, to flip the script and have them charging into like Tyranids or something so yeah. yeah very cool they've got this really cool rule as well if you're stood behind a door and you think it's locked these guys don't care they just run through it <laughs> that makes sense I can actually absolutely see that it's a yeah. door closed just charge through it <clears throat> they're all little mini hulks so alright that's, that's it ladies and gentlemen uh, until uh, next week this is Dave Callmail for Stephen Box saying that's my secret cap I'm always angry have a good week. See you later.